Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast daily. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. First of all, I greatly apologize for the delay in this show coming out. It's 100% on me, honestly. So I promise you all, I'm going to try to do much better about that in the future to where these shows are always consistently coming out in the morning. I've been bad about that a couple of times, I know. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and get right into today's show. We're going to talk about South Carolina's women's basketball team and what they did on Sunday afternoon against the UConn Huskies. So Essentially, the South Carolina Gamecocks, they validated for the most part what they are in the sport of women's college basketball right now because they went up to Hartford, Connecticut and did something that the program actually had never done up to this point leading into the weekend, which is knock off the UConn Huskies on their home court. Now, it was certainly a very tough matchup for the Gamecocks, probably a little bit tougher than even Gamecock fans would have imagined this matchup being, but South Carolina did manage to pull it out at the end of the day, winning by a final score of 81-77. to So again, they are maintaining their top perch in the sport of women's college basketball because South Carolina just continues to knock down every single challenger that has been presented in front of them up to this point. There's a couple reasons why this continued on Sunday. Firstly, we have to talk about the reigning defending National Player of the Year in Aaliyah Boston. Now, Aaliyah Boston is admittedly somebody that I've actually not talked about much on this podcast. And it's not because, you know, she doesn't deserve it. It's because of the fact that, you know, we all sort of know at this point what to expect from Aaliyah Boston. And there's very rarely moments, I guess, where Aaliyah Boston sort of takes everybody by surprise and really does something that is, I guess, worth really talking about. And that's really a credit to what all she's done in her career in Columbia. But on Sunday afternoon, Aaliyah Boston did do something that was uh, was a big reason why this team won this basketball game. And again, sort of really reminded everybody why she is widely considered to be the best player in the sport right now and why she's projected to be the number one overall pick in the WNBA draft later this spring. Aaliyah Boston is the great equalizer in this sport. Because here's the thing. South Carolina, obviously, and we'll talk about this later, they got off to a really rough start. They were down 11 points at the end of the first quarter. Certainly not ideal considering the fact that you're on the road and you're facing a team that, although they're a little bit beaten up with UConn's roster, they are still one of the most talented teams in all of women's college basketball. So the second quarter, South Carolina starting off in a pretty big hole. And they managed to fight all the way back and notch things up at 34 points apiece at halftime. And get this. They did all of that. They went through that roller coaster in the first half, while Leah Boston only scored three points and secured three rebounds total. Now, that's not to, of course, degrade her play in the first quarter, or the first half, I should say. Because here's the thing. We all know at this point, Leah Boston is a player that is greatly schemed around, sort of to the same effect that Jadavion Clowney was schemed around for the football program when he was playing under Steve Spurrier back in the earlier part of the previous decade. You know how Clowney got so good 
on that football team, how he was almost deemed unblockable by so many people, that there were many opponents that would try to double-team, even triple-team him at times, because they could not allow him too many one-on-one opportunities, or else he was going to wreck their entire game plan. You're seeing the same thing happening right now with Aaliyah Boston. And of course, this isn't anything new. It really started probably at the earlier stages of this past season. But UConn, even for as talented as they are, for the front court that they have, they still respected Aaliyah Boston so much to where they were double-teaming her a lot early in the game. And I think that it made it pretty difficult, admittedly, for Boston to get as many opportunities as she normally gets. But Aaliyah Boston did not let that bring her down. She did not let that weigh on her conscience. And in the second half... She absolutely went off. She scored 23 points in the final 20 minutes of the game, had 8 rebounds, and shot 72.7% from the field. Aaliyah Boston was a big reason, especially in the latter portion of this game, why South Carolina ended up winning at the end. So, once again, Aaliyah Boston is doing Aaliyah Boston things. But in this particular circumstance, she really deserves a ton of credit because You could see a ton of other players that are close to her level in this sport go through a first half like she did on Sunday, and they might end up mentally just wilting under that pressure because they get frustrated because they're not getting as many opportunities, or maybe, you know, they just are not happy with the way things are going with their team. You know, they get down early. They're having to fight back. It feels like that they're on the defensive almost, which is a rarity for this team. But Aaliyah Boston did not let that really sort of take her out of the game from a mental standpoint. So credit to her and what she did. The second main takeaway from this game, and I've touched on this before, but it's worth repeating with this game specifically, death still matters in this sport. Death still matters when you are trying to win games of this magnitude. When you're winning games or you're playing in games that are going to prepare you, in this case, for March Madness. When you are trying to sort of complete a quest to win back-to-back national championships. We've mentioned this before with players like Camilla Cardoso in the front court. And then, of course, you got Raven Johnson at point guard. Let's talk Raven Johnson real quick because Raven Johnson, what she did on Sunday was quite remarkable. Raven Johnson, she is technically in her second year in women's college basketball, but you could almost say that from an experience standpoint, she's a true freshman essentially because she, of course, lost this past season to a torn ACL. And so this is really her first year where she's actually seeing significant playing time. And in this game, Kira Fletcher started the game. We get about four minutes in and Fletcher, she definitely seems like that she's a little bit out of sorts. She seems like she is pressing a lot on the offensive end, especially. And I think that Don Staley could kind of tell that that was what was going on. And so she decided to put in Raven Johnson to see if maybe the offense would be run a little bit more smoothly, I think, with her at the point. Raven Johnson wind up playing the final 36 minutes of this game. She never came out. She scored 14 points. She had seven assists. And the best stat of all, honestly, in my opinion, against this team in UConn on the road, she did not turn over the basketball one time. Not a once. That is unbelievable just persistence from a true freshman in this kind of moment, on this kind of stage. And it really goes to tell you just what kind of player the Gamecocks have in Raven Johnson and what she could do for this team 
in the future. Camila Cardoso also deserves her credit. She got a double-double in just 21 minutes of action. Yes, she fouled out at the end and got a very, very, very questionable technical foul called on her. I think that was one of the most egregious technical fouls I've ever seen called in a basketball game, in my personal opinion. But she really made an impact for this team. She scored 11 points in the second quarter alone. And Don Staley put it this way after the game, and I would agree with her, where she said that if Camilla Cardoso does not play the way she did on Sunday, South Carolina probably doesn't win this game. They probably don't, because they needed someone else to step up with Aaliyah Boston not putting up the numbers that were accustomed to seeing in that first half. Camilla Cardoso came in and did just that. The Gamecocks also got a rebounding advantage of plus 12, and you have to credit that to the depth because you can continuously throw out bodies out there, and that means that you've got fresh bodies that can go out there and constantly fight for rebounds, scrap for rebounds. UConn did as much as they could, but you could only do so much when you have five players play 28-plus minutes and four of them play nearly the entire basketball game. That's going to take a toll on you in some aspects. Rebounding is absolutely one of them, and South Carolina showcased that once again on Sunday afternoon. So the Gamecocks needless to say, yes, it wasn't always pretty, but they did wind up finding a way to win. And again, that's what championship teams do. And they did this because they saw their stars rise to the occasion for the most part when they needed to, and they also got some much-needed production from their bench to fill in the gaps when they needed to, especially in that first half. A first half, and particularly a first quarter, that admittedly is really starting to show a very bad trend that the Gamecocks have got to correct before they get to the latter stages of the NCAA tournament. And I'm going to discuss what that trend is in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. Now, as a small business owner or hiring manager, you, of course, know that success is all dependent on the employees that you have in your business, what you surround yourself with. And if you're looking for players or members, I should say, that are going to be able to help your small business accomplish its goals for 2023, then you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs, where you can find the most qualified candidates that can officially match your open roles with people who have the skills, who have the values and experiences that you are going to value in the search process. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry because they help you find the right qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So be sure to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions still apply. Thank you once again for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now let's talk about what UConn exposed from South Carolina in this ball game on Sunday afternoon. And the main thing that UConn exposed, in my opinion, is South Carolina's defense, and more specifically, how they open things up to start a basketball game. We have seen this since the beginning of conference play. South Carolina 
their opponents are really starting to pick up on one particular aspect of their defense that South Carolina could be exposed in, and that is how well they do defending in one-on-one situations when help defense is taken just a little bit away from them on their particular side of the court. UConn, yesterday afternoon, really and truthfully exposed this to a significant degree because here's the thing. South Carolina finally faced an opponent that was just as talented as them, that can take full advantage of this sort of thing. And here's how they did it. UConn is a team that runs a lot of four-out, five-out offense. And what that basically means is, obviously, they got a lot of their players hanging around the perimeter. They do not have a traditional basketball offense where they've got two players that are on the low block or in the paint area that are trying to, you know, stay there for rebounds or, you know, score points off of the low block in the post. They don't have that kind of offense. And because of this... South Carolina, because they run a lot of man-to-man defense, they were standing up with their individual matchups all across the board. And UConn took advantage of this by running a lot of backdoor cuts, by running a lot of high pick-and-rolls at the top of the key. And it put South Carolina in some really difficult spots because the guards had to be a lot more attentive to their matchup. They could not really take their eyes off their matchup for very long. And then for South Carolina's front court, they really had to try to make sure that they did not overextend themselves. And the issue is at the beginning of the game, South Carolina did not do either of these things. And it's why they found themselves down by so much at the end of the first quarter, why they gave up 25 first quarter points, which unless there's another game that I cannot recall off the top of my head, that is the most amount of points that South Carolina's given up in the first quarter all season long. And here's the thing. Again, this is not the first time that we have seen this happen from South Carolina. We have seen other games in just conference play where they've given up 15 points, 17 points, 18 points, almost 20 points. And you're seeing this trend continuously occur in every single one of these games. South Carolina is going to have to make some adjustments adjustments defensively to start these basketball games moving forward because here's the thing their lackluster starts defensively just about caught up to them yesterday again they outscored UConn 20 to 9 in the second quarter just to tie things up at 34 at half if UConn had found a way to get any sort of outside shooting going on Sunday afternoon South Carolina could have very well seen this be a loss instead of a win and here's the thing You look at the stats, I don't have the stat right in front of me, UConn did not really try to establish a three-point shooting game, which is what most teams assume that you need to do in order to defeat South Carolina. UConn didn't do that. They actually had full confidence in attacking the paint area, something that most teams have strayed away from when facing South Carolina the last couple years because South Carolina has built their reputation on just locking down the paint on both defense and offense, but especially on the defensive end. And UConn actually saw a great deal of success. Aaliyah Edwards, you got to give her a little bit of credit. Last year, Aaliyah Edwards did not have very much of an impact at all, from what I can recall, in the national championship game against South Carolina. This year... For a good portion of the game, she kind of looked like she was the best player on the floor. And she caught Camilla Cardoso and Aaliyah Boston in multiple tough situations where they had quite honestly gone too far away from the paint area and she just blew right on past them and got easy layups at the basket. Now, obviously, the Gamecocks are not going to face an Aaliyah Edwards 
every single week. They're not going to face a team like UConn every game that has athletic guards, guards that can, you know, catch you by surprise on almost every single possession. But South Carolina, quite frankly, they've been too lackluster at times to start these games on the defensive end. And again, it did not catch up to them on Sunday, but the point is, it almost did. South Carolina, they're going to have to go back and watch the film here, and they've got to make some kind of adjustment. Whether that means that South Carolina starts to maybe not play as much close man-to-man defense, and they start, you know, basically just telling everybody, hey, just give your matchup a couple extra feet of space. If anything, just dare them to shoot from outside. I'm not saying that South Carolina needs to quit playing man-to-man. I'm not trying to say that they even need to start playing zone defense. South Carolina is built to where they should not have to rely on zone defense. But their man-to-man defense, I'm not sure what's wrong with this year's team. But this year's team is not doing a good enough job of getting out to a great start on the defensive end in these games. Even compared to last year's team. And by the stat numbers, this year's team is a lot better than last year's team. And they return almost everyone on the roster. And yet it seems like they've taken a step back in that aspect. So... UConn exposed this on Sunday's game, and I can guarantee you, teams like LSU, teams like Tennessee, they're going to look at this. They're going to really stare down the barrel of what happened in these first quarters, especially the most recent one against UConn, and they're going to try to figure out what aspects of their game of their game plan can we take from that and make into our own, or sort of morph into our own strategy to where we can try to take advantage of that against South Carolina. LSU, for example, the Gamecocks play them less than a week from today, and they're going to have their hands full with point guard Alexis Moore. She is probably one of the most athletic guards in the entire country. She she is someone that can shoot the three ball, but also can drive to the basket and just make you look bad, quite honestly, doing so. She reminds me, honestly, a lot of Destiny Henderson, who the Gamecocks had on their team last year. The Gamecocks are going to have to face that this coming Sunday. And with the way that they have played man-to-man defense up to this point in the season, um, they're going to have some trouble to start that game. They are going to. Now, the good thing is, South Carolina has continuously found ways to adjust off of those struggles in those first 10 minutes. But South Carolina just cannot continue to lean on those adjustments game in and game out to get them out of these holes. They cannot continuously have to rely on that. They've got to find a way to shore up these first quarter issues defensively. Because if they don't, again, it could be the difference between them winning a second straight national title or getting knocked out in the Final Four. All it takes is the right team, the right matchup, and the right certain set of guards that an opponent possesses to be able to do this for more than the first quarter against South Carolina. And then all of a sudden, the Gamecocks now find themselves staring uphill. They do not want to have that happen, and obviously we all understand this. So the Gamecocks have got to change some things in that regard before they get to March Madness when this when these games really, truly start to count against them. Now, in just a couple moments, we're going to talk about Gigi Jackson, and we're not going to talk about the game itself against Arkansas from this past Saturday, a game that obviously was a very close loss for South Carolina. We're going to talk about what happened after the game. In just a couple moments, right here on Locked On Gamecocks. 
Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, a new protein bar because you've gotten sick of maybe the ones that you've been buying for the last couple of years. Maybe they don't have a whole lot of flavor to them. Maybe they just uh, maybe it's just too chalky if you're getting, you know, some old generic protein powder off of the shelf from your local GNC or Walmart. Then you've got to try Built Bar. Built Bars are healthy, they're enjoyable, and the best part is they come in a variety of different flavors. You've got coconut, you've got mint chocolate chip, you've got you've you've got salted caramel, you've got a bevy of different ones, cookies and cream, churro. How many companies do you know make a churro protein bar? Built Bar is probably the only one out there that does it. These bars have 130 calories. They only got 4 grams of sugar, and they still give you a great serving of protein, giving you 17 grams in total. And the best part, along with all of the different flavors that you can get, is you can now get these bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a 4-bar box that includes cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. At Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes brownie batter and churro. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Built Bar is where tasty is the new healthy. All right, so let's get into the final portion of today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. So let's get on into Gigi Jackson and what all happened with him this past weekend. Now, obviously, South Carolina lost a very close game on Saturday against the Arkansas Razorbacks at home by a final score of 65-63. to I was not able to attend that game, but from what I was able to tell, South Carolina really showed some progress in certain areas. Michi Johnson had a really good day shooting from behind the three-point line. Josh Gray just continues to just stack up good performances and really make a difference for this team. And it's quite frankly, it's not getting talked about probably enough from the SEC's perspective. But the Gamecocks ended up losing again at the end of the day by two points. Josh Gray wound up getting the final shot. It probably was not planned out by Lamont Paris for Josh Gray to be shooting a three, but that's how it ended up working out. He shot the three ball, put way too much mustard on it, obviously. Um, and the Gamecocks ended up falling short. I believe that is their eighth or seventh straight conference loss now to this point in the season. And Gigi Jackson was clearly frustrated because after the game, he took to Instagram Live and in a way, he he ranted in a sense. Now, I'm not, of course, going to try to misconstrue anything he said, and I'm not going to play the video for you here on today's show because the video does include some expletives and we try to keep this a uh, PG show when it comes to the language that's used and everything. But the couple quotes that he did say from this live video were this. Why don't I have the ball in my hands when it's crunch time? I'm not even getting plays drawn up for me in crunch time. And he also happened to say, I'm thinking about staying another year. So there's a little bit to digest with these different quotes here. Let's start off with him talking about not getting the ball enough. Now, Coach Paris said after the game that the last play was specifically drawn up for G.G. Jackson. I'm not going to get into this whole bit of, you know, which one of these guys is lying. Is it G.G.? Is it Lamont? I am not going to get into all that, okay? That's just strictly what Lamont Paris said after the game. G.G. said differently after the game. Now, G.G. did end up apologizing on Sunday after sort of, the aftermath of everything that played out from that Instagram live video. Of course, I'm sure that he's already probably talked to some coaches, you know, maybe he's talked to his inner circle, you know, whatever it may be. But needless to say, this was his apology that he posted 
on Sunday, and I'll read it out to those of you who are listening to this on audio podcast. First, I want to apologize to Coach Paris, all of my teammates, and the University of South Carolina. After reflecting on my behavior yesterday, I want to apologize for acting out emotions and the comments I made on live after the game. Being that I am very passionate about the team and the game, I unfortunately took my frustration out in a very inappropriate manner. My behavior yesterday was not a reflection of my character. Going forward, I will move in a more mature and positive direction. I am extremely proud of my team with yesterday's performance. We will take yesterday's performance as momentum to get even better. Again, I apologize. So, a couple things with this. First of all, I'm not going to dissect this apology specifically. I will just say this. In general terms, it is a good thing that Lamont Perry, or excuse me, that Chi Jackson acknowledged what he did on Saturday. Because here's the thing. What he did was wrong. There's no other way to put it. And I understand, of course, he is 18 years old, and we do have to remember that. He has a ton of pressure on him in regards to every game that he laces up his shoes and he goes out there on the floor in regards to what his future could hold with the with the NBA. There's a lot of expectations that have been put on Gigi Jackson's shoulders, and that it's been that way for a very long time. And the other thing is, Gigi Jackson admittedly is not used to losing like this. I don't think there's ever been a point in his life where he has lost at this kind of rate and of course he's going through all that right now and he's having to try to digest all of that at once so it's easy to see why Gigi Jackson can have moments like this where he is unhappy he clearly is frustrated and the thing is you actually want to see that from him you don't want to see Gigi Jackson just basically shrugging his shoulders like well you know we did what the, we did the best we could do and we just couldn't get it done on to the next one you know you don't want to necessarily see him completely act in that manner because obviously it could give off the sense that he does not care that's not to say that you have to be overly emotional every time that you find yourself in this kind of situation as an athlete but you get my overall point but the bottom line is this, him throwing the coaching staff under the bus regarding plays maybe not being drawn up for him, especially considering what Coach Paris said after the game on Saturday, that was wrong. It was completely wrong of him to do that. That's the kind of stuff that, as Gigi is probably learning right now, you don't ever want to say that kind of stuff to the media. You don't ever want to say that kind of stuff to the fans. You certainly do not want to air it out on social media. Because what are people going to do? They're going to clip that video, they're going to screen record your Instagram live, and they're going to post it all over social media, and it's going to present this idea that there is a real fracture in the locker room in a sense, that you and Lamont Paris are not on the same page. And that is the absolute last thing that you want to give to anybody. But that's what Gigi did on Saturday. Now again, it is a good thing. That with this apology, it seems like he clearly recognized the error of his ways with how he went about that loss on Saturday. So, I just want to get that out of the way, okay? Gigi is still learning. He is still 18 years old. He just turned 18 in December. And yes, some people consider 18-year-olds, once you turn 18, you shouldn't be making mistakes like this. Obviously, that is not the way the real world works, especially with people who are in unique and special circumstances like Gigi Jackson. So that's the first thing with this entire sort of series of events that unfolded after the Arkansas game. The second point, on him saying he's thinking about staying for another year, this is a new revelation that I don't think anyone has really reported or mentioned up to this point. And 
I know, of course, that there's a lot of people who selfishly would love to see him come back for a second season. Just like with the football fans, I know there's a ton of people that wanted to see Spencer Rattler come back for another year. I know that there's a ton of people that wanted to say that, you know, Juice Wells needed to come back for another year. Even though you could have made the argument for either player why they should go ahead and go pro. Now, for Gigi, I'm not going to, again, dive completely into this on today's show, but there would be some positives for him coming back. Firstly, I think it's very apparent that he would have a chance to mature a lot more as a basketball player. Again, be able to better digest what all is going on on and off the floor. What can, what you can control and what you can't control. These are certain things that, of course, once you get to the NBA, it is pretty much assumed, I think, by coaching staffs and by front offices that you're in the NBA, you're considered an adult, you know, they're paying you to play for their franchise. You've got most of that stuff figured out. Gigi may be inherently admitting by saying that he's thinking about coming back for another year that maybe he doesn't have all that figured out. Again, not saying that he plainly said that, but obviously based on some of the things that have happened this year, there could still be some growth in that area. So that's the first thing. Secondly, from a physical standpoint, Gigi Jackson could really stand to come back for another year in college. Think about this. Gigi is playing around 220 pounds right now. And as I've noticed throughout the season, at all the home games that I've been at, Gigi has really leaned up, in my opinion. I think that he's probably dropped some weight since the start of the season and actually gotten a little bit smaller as the years progressed, which is not a surprise considering the workload that has been on him and how many minutes he has played up to this point. And while that's all well and good in terms of his conditioning, in terms of him being able to put on some muscle to give himself a bigger frame to at least be able to withstand some of the bigger post players that he goes up against. Gigi, of course, is not at that point yet. And he enrolled in South Carolina's program, I believe, this past fall, basically after he committed to him in July. So Gigi Jackson, he has yet to go through a whole year in a college strength conditioning program. Imagine what that would be like once he gets to the NBA. He faces guys that are a little bit less awkward in terms of their movement. They have their game figured out. They know what they're good at and what they're not good at. I don't think that's exactly the stage where you want to be trying to physically mature and, again, build up your muscular frame while trying to also combat and go up against those kind of players who, again, understand how they are as players and what their play style needs to be. I don't think that he needs to be doing all that. I think that the college ranks, it would be much easier for him to go through this, go through a season with Scott Greenwald, the strength conditioning coach here at South Carolina, and really take a step forward this next year. For those two reasons, it would be, it would be feasible why he would come back and maybe why he should come back. But at the same time, it would be a bad business decision because, look, he is considered right now a lottery pick for this upcoming NBA draft. Who would be passing up on millions and millions of dollars if he decided to come back to South Carolina? He comes back, he takes the risk of getting injured, right? And also, here's the thing, whether it's fair or not, NBA scouts for many years, there's been a negative stigma around college basketball players that if they stay for more than a year or two, that those players are just not cut out for the NBA, that they are constantly trying to find ways to maybe better themselves as basketball players, but that at the same time, they just don't think that they can handle the rigors of 
the best professional basketball league on the planet. At least that's the way it comes off. I mean, think about this. Sendarius Thornwell, great defender for South Carolina, was considered to be the SEC Player of the Year in his senior campaign, led South Carolina to the Final Four, right? He gets drafted like 48th overall in the NBA draft. And whether or not, you know, that has panned out that way, because I believe right now, Sendarius Thornwell is not playing in the NBA in any capacity, that's just, that's meant to be an example for just sort of how opinions change on players, no matter what their accomplishments are at the college level, if you stay in college for multiple years in the eyes of NBA scouts. So, for Gigi Jackson, from a business standpoint, again, I don't think it'd be a great idea for him to come back. And I think for the most part, people expected him to go to South Carolina and then after one year, you know, basically say, thanks for letting me stay here for the year. Thanks for teaching me some more of the nuances of this game. But I'm going to now take my talents on to the NBA. It would be a stunner in my eyes if he were to come back for another year. But the fact that even in such an overly emotional state, he still opened up and said that. And then I think he even said it again on another Instagram live video that he did on Sunday morning. I think that that means that he's actually considering this possibility. So this is going to be something interesting to watch moving forward as we get into the final stretch of South Carolina's men's basketball season under Lamont Paris, which, again, has not, of course, probably gone the way that any of them would have liked. But, you know, again, in some ways, you have seen some improvements in certain aspects in year one under Paris and his coaching staff. With that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what are your thoughts on South Carolina's big victory over UConn from this past Sunday? Do you think that there's legitimate concern to be had about the way that the Gamecocks have started defensively in each of their last several games and that it could catch up to them if it's not fixed? And lastly, what are your thoughts and opinions on G.G. Jackson and what all he did after the Arkansas game this past weekend? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching this show on YouTube. Or you can shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a good start to the work week, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.